When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. This is the Bike Exchange Jayco Team Preview. I believe that's what they will still be called next year. Um, they're based on the companies of, of Jerry, and I'm not sure how well their company itself is going, but anyway, that, that's what they will be called next year. Now, they got in trouble this year with the relegation battle. They survived in the end, but whilst they were fighting that battle, they also had one of their best seasons in quite a while, certainly much, much better than 2021, and I'd argue better than 2022. It wasn't the heyday of 2019, but it was much better. How is it better than 2022 when the year we're talking about is 2022? (laughs) Oh, did I say that? Yeah, yeah. Better than 2020. It was better than the previous two years (laughs) they struggled. Uh, 2019, like, wow, that was ridiculously good year. (laughs) They won four TDF stages and 34 overall wins. Um, But yeah, they survived relegation. How would you rate the season, Benji? I think they made some pretty small, like Matthews in the end, loads of points. They don't survive without him or Groenewegen. Yep, I think that's definitely the case. And Matthews did step it up a tiny bit as well with that Tour de France stage, for example. I think that, was it Itsui or Catalonia? One of those races where he ended up winning that slightly uphill sprint towards the end. So that also happened for him throughout the season. And I'd argue that he had a a solid season throughout. He scored points throughout the season, which was valuable for this team because the survival and relegation system was important for them. Now, I would argue that despite their results, which is, for example, getting full for MSR with Matthews is intriguing, but probably not what he hoped for. He's trying to get at least a podium. He's trying to win that bloody race. Let's be honest about it. Couple races, basically no results. Hill Classics, shockingly, basically no results. I feel like I would have expected more from a Matthews in an Amstel, for example, but I don't remember him in that race, so I don't know what happened there. But in one-week races, I feel like they get limited results, only second at Paris-Nice and fourth at Bologna, and we don't really see Simon Yates in other races, and they don't have many other riders for those top 10s in GCs anyway. But then we look at Grand Tours. Two stainers at the Giro is really good with Simon Yates and Sobrero, but then Yates withdraws with COVID. At the Tour de France, you mentioned it, Grunewagen, Matthews, those guys winning stages. But then the Vuelta, Groves wins, which was something we were looking forward to and expected it to happen, and it happened in that Vuelta España. But Yates withdraws with COVID. So if Yates doesn't withdraw, he's at least getting a top five at one of those two Grand Tours, right? I mean, it is Simon Yates. Yeah. So it's tough to know for sure. But I don't know, would... Almost rather Simon Yates targets like six six World Tour one weeks. And if he dodges some of the top guys, he'd probably win one. I mean, he nearly beat Roglic at Paris-Nice. He could have very nearly beat him if maybe Martinez doesn't have that mechanical. So, Or if Van Aert 
isn't there on the yeah, last Yeah, Van Aert's just not on a crazy day. But yeah, 22 overall wins and three, four, six, eight, nine World Tour wins with stage wins in all three Grand Tours. That is a very, very tidy haul, as I said, for a team fighting the relegation battle. And let's be realistic, with a significantly lower budget than other teams. Like, did they have a better season than FDJ? Ooh, no. I think they did. Did they? Nah. Top five in the Tour de France. Invisible. Monuments. Okay, but where's the wins? I completely forgot most of what Groupama did, even though we recorded that podcast just a bit ago, but... (laughs) It's just my shit memory, dude. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. The thing is, Bank Exchange structure this year was very clear. Um, They are focused around three and a half figureheads, which is Matthews, Yates, Groenewegen. That was actually quite effective for wins because apart from Yates with COVID, Groenewegen and Matthews were consistently quite good throughout the year. Um, The other half I said was Groves and the Vuelta. I would say that Groenewegen scheduling was a little bit curious at times, um, but you know it is what it is. the The other part is the rest of the team, which really doesn't produce at all. Um, you know, twenty of the other riders, and then there's other talented riders who kind of get, as I said, it's based around the three figureheads who are compelled to ride for them at all costs as if they're peak sky like a nick schultz and co yeah i think that's definitely something we notice in this team and we see that sobrero does get his opportunities at time trials and so forth but in the other race he's also become a domestique lucas hamilton was a domestique but ended up getting 12th at the tour de france if my memory serves right or no what was it where did he get 12th lucas hamilton he got somewhere anyway i guess 13th in the Giro. 13 in Giro, close enough. 12th in the Tour, 13 in Giro, big difference, but... He's on uh, a fair bit of money, man. Exactly, they expect more from him, and he, I feel like he stagnated quite a bit over the last couple of years, and I feel like we see that a lot from the second-tier guys on this team, but what I do believe when I look at this team is that we talk about those figureheads. There were a few people that did breakthrough. I feel like Caden Groves has done a tiny bit of a breakthrough. I feel like next year will be his proper breakthrough at the top tier of cycling, perhaps. He won that Velta stage for the team, which was valuable. So the value is there in the second tier, guys. But I agree that, like, a Callum Scottson, no offense, Sam Bewley, um, those kind of riders. A Durbich is not really there anymore. Edmondson, I Jan Maas, don't Michigan. remember him. Yeah, that that one dude, Huat Chun Goh, that was a trainee, for example. Haven't seen him in any races, for example. Rob Stannard is gone, so he's at Alpecin now. I forgot about that, and I'm looking at wrong years. So that other guy, that Goh guy, is also not there in the team anymore. So just um, ditch everything I just said in the last one minute. Cameron Meyer. Exactly. Those kind of riders, those are not really performing. I feel like a Konishev has also completely stagnated and probably is not on this level anymore. Hausen, I don't know. I've never really rated Hausen that much. I feel like you rated him more than I did in previous years as well. <laughs> But <laughs> what? I Why are you laughing? I, I don't know. Remember ever saying a positive thing about him? <laughs> Maybe I did. I probably will. It looks like you know if this guy, right? If you really think about it, if you swap him and Tadej Pogacar, 
<laughs> nah. Um, but you're right. It's it's a lot of guys that sort of don't didn't really do very much. That being said, I, I do think I do think it's unfair on some of the guys like yeah. who are forced that, that they can only do a lead out. They have their one goal to go to a race. They can never show themselves to do a lead out. Now, Kel O'Brien, that is his job. I thought he was quite good this year for a neo pro. And he was in Dwar's Dua. He was fucking strong in Dwar's Dua, Kel. That's the thing. These some of these riders, when they do get a chance, they show these yep. huge flashes. And you're like, holy shit, you're a good rider. Um his normalized power for that race was unbelievable. And mixing up with Peacock Vanderpool. And Nick Schultz, I think, had a breakthrough season. And, you know, he went off favorite in a couple of Tour de France stages. And on the Paragour stage, was in the last group of 10 guys, which it had no, it didn't mean anything. And Court beat him in the photo and Michev, but I thought he had a breakthrough. A guy who's off in the domestique. Um, I but, but want it, to. It's hard to criticize them, Benji, because in the end of the day, they got the wins by pursuing the traditional yeah. leader strategy, domestique hierarchy, and eventually were quite comfortably away from relegation. I feel like last year we criticized Bike Exchange quite a bit when it comes to their tactics in races, as in they were trying to go for matches from the peloton, for example, every single stage with somewhat of a hill towards the end. They did that all from the peloton. Do you feel like they changed from that a tiny bit? Because I swear there was one race where... Was it the Matthews victory where they did so from the break when we were proud of them? I I couldn't believe I couldn't believe my eyes. Um... It was the opposite because it much, much tougher competition. And the people in that break were unbelievably strong. And he's gone away solo at 55Ks and then got caught on the Monte yeah. Jalabert by Bediol and then came back and dropped him. Unbelievable win. And, yeah, I, I don't know if that means they'll always pursue that strategy, but it's... Yeah, it, it was good to see them do something different. And I think Schultz was in that break too. Yeah, Matthews, unbelievable year. Like two over 2,000 UCI points. This guy is lent on so heavily. He only competes pretty much apart from the Mallorcan races. He only competes at World Tour level. And yeah. to win a Tour de France stage, second in two, it, it's a huge workload on this guy, even though the race days aren't that high. They're very, very high-level only. So Matthew's unbelievable year, their most valuable rider, and to have that Tour de France win, I mean, worthy of the extension, extended out to 25. I think I think they had to keep him because it's just for the points. Even if he goes back to sort of being, you know, always second and third, that's still a lot of points. So I think it's yep. worth re-signing him. I think so as well, especially knowing that the Canadian races exist and that you can pick up like 600 points in each of them yep. if you win that race. That's, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, Cadell's those kind of races. But also, next to that, I think the other aspect when it comes to this team is that Kronewegen has a sprint train. I feel like their sprint train has an issue where it is good in races where there are not many other sprint trains. Like in a Saudi tour... They and Lotto were the one train that went for it. So they're just fighting against one train. And they have a much easier way of keeping themselves at the front then. But in races where there's so much competition to be at the front, they seem to fail to stay at the front. They should go after Sinkledan. They need an experienced lead out. Mezgets yep. took a step back. He wasn't in his 2020 form. 
uh, and you pair Sinkle Dan with O'Brien and maybe have a setup man, I think yep. that's looking much, much better. Um, but before we get to some of their transfers, mentioned Bike Exchange, uh, one of the teams that use Zwift and the pro training camps are here for winter with training programs or workouts from pro cycling superstars from Ineos, Yumbo, Visma, Bike Exchange, Jayco, and Movistar. For example, there's the Grant Thomas workout, which has got some sort of threshold intervals with some anaerobic stuff at the end. There's the Pidcock uh, workout, which predictably has about 12 anaerobic intervals. There's <laughs> loads of workouts to keep you going and i think pbs count as well from those workouts if you do them and then you have the hollow when you go back to uh normal cruising around the world so go and check out swift i'm on it every day pretty much at the moment and cranking out the hours being very consistent and i'm already after i said a month or so of good consistency i'm feeling a lot better and i can already feel the improvements the watts that were sort of a little bit, you know, breathing a bit heavily now can do um, without too much bother at all. I can mess around, talk trash with Benji on Discord. So improvements fast, perhaps bang for buck better even than being outdoors, particularly in the winter and the snow at the moment. So if you go to Zwift.com, get a free trial and check it out today through the link down below. Transfers, Benji. On Have we wrapped up there? We've wrapped up this season. I think I think it was a good season. We're giving it a tick. Thumbs up. Thumbs up? Thumbs up. Good season. Okay, uh, thumbs up. Transfers. This is where it's tough. A lot of Anzacs, you look at the outgoing. Cameron <laughs> oh. Meyer retired. Smith, Dion Smith to Intermarche. Bauer and Housen to... Q3 6.5 pro cycling team, the new Doug Ryder one. Schultz is going to, I think, was supposed to go to B&B, but that project looked like looks like it's completely falling through, unfortunately, unfortunately for him. Groves is probably one of their was one of their top five riders. He's gone to Alpsen to Koenig, Edmondson to DSM, Bewley's retired, Konashev, not sure. To be honest, Benji, apart from Groves and Schultz, they're not all those riders are very replaceable i agree there and i think we mentioned it before the riders that i named that were not necessarily adding too much to the team anymore like a Konishev, like a buley like an edmondson those kind of riders those kind of riders are leaving so it does confirm that they also don't see the value necessarily a buley perhaps is retiring so we can't really put him in the same quota there cameron meyer same story congard i haven't seen him in a while to be honest and i do think that a Nick Schultz is one of those riders and a Groves. Those are the two ones together with Dion Smith where I'm like, those three are good riders. So I'd argue that if they can still get Nick Schultz back after the whole debacle with... space. They don't? I don't think well, so. Well, they can ditch he, one of the riders they're signed, you know? They can send the Marky home again. Uh, <laughs> Quickstep should sign him. I think it's actually not a bad call. I think he could be a domestique for the Remco terrain but also could be doing some stuff for himself throughout the season as well, quick sip style. Then again, one thing that I do want to mention when it comes to these outgoing riders is that there's a lot more Australians outgoing and New Zealand riders outgoing than incoming. <clears throat> and we notice that they're kind of losing their Australian identity. And I think we mentioned this before. They missed out on Plap. They're losing Groves. They missed out on O'Connor. 
it's probably a lot of other Australians and so forth that they missed out on. Are they, yeah, they've lost their identity, right? As in, is it still their goal well, to be Australian or is it their goal to be a team? I don't know, like, they don't have the best Australian riders on the team anymore. Um, well, Matthews? Hin- they have Matthews. He's probably, yeah, Matthews. Uh, no Hindley, O'Connor, Ewan, fine. Simon Clark couldn't get a contract there. Haig, Plapp, Stannard, Schultz, Storer, Dennis. They don't have him. Um, so, yeah. And I think, like, why wouldn't why wouldn't this team give a decent contract offer to Aaron Gate? He's better than half this team. He's a good rider, Aaron yep. Gate, on Black Spoke. Maybe Black Spoke, because the Kiwi project, they, you know, he wants to stay there and they give him a, a better salary. But still, like, Aaron Gate can do things. Um, I don't know. And, and listen, budget might be tough. It might not be. Like, I don't know. Maybe Nook Schultz wanted to leave and he was sick of being a domestique. I kind of sympathize with that. But when you look at the incomings, um, Harper was good at Yumba Visma when he, in the last half of this year. He was very, very good in the Dauphiné, very strong. And the Vuelta, he was very, very good. And... I don't think he's on a million bucks. So, tick, good signing. Uh, Blake Quick and Rudy Porter from Trinity. They're young prospects. Quick's a sprinter, I think. Nominative determinism. Um, So, you know, happy with that. It's the other signings, Benji. It's like, really? Zidnex, Debar, and Alessandro DeMarchi combined age of 75? Like... Stebar, if Stebar's on a, a low contract and he, the goal is to score some points in World Tour Classics or help Matthews, I think that's fine. But DeMarkey, man, come on. Yeah. Why is it's to me? It seems like Brent Copeland, or I'm not sure. He, I've seen he's, he obviously speaks Italian. I'm not sure he lives in Italy, but like the team has started to sign a lot of Italian riders who aren't that special and. DeMarkey's not that good. And they've signed Zana from Bardiani, who is fine. Um, but that's all he is. He's like quite good. But is he better than he's not better than Nick Schultz, that's for sure. Um and like Postelberger, they're signing kind of misc stage hunters who are a lot of them past their prime. Zana accepted. I think the one thing that is a light at the end of the tunnel for me when it comes to the marquee is that it's a one-year contract. If it was like a three-year contract, I'd have been True. walking through the street with signs like, this is not okay. Now I'm like, okay, this is not the end of the world. He's probably not on the biggest amount of money. He can still be valuable as a domestique. The marquee is relatively okay as a domestique. I think he can still go into breakaways and be something of that, but I don't believe he's going to significantly move the needle, and I feel like he might just take up the role that Housen had at the team which was not necessarily the most important rider in the team in the first place. So I guess it's it's something that happened. And I guess depending on the season, we can see whether he is allowed to stay or not for the season afterwards, because then he's going to be even older. Now, when it comes to Stibar, we're looking at a transfer where he's also quite old. He came from Quickstep. He hasn't had the best season at all in 2022. But going to bike exchange at the age of 37, he will be. Also a one-year contract. So those are the things that I like about these contracts. That it's a one-year contract. If it was longer than that, I'd have a lot more issues with it. 
Kashtibar is also probably not going to be on the most amount of money. And he's got that ruler type riding style and can be valuable in the couple races where he can at least get perhaps a top 10 or can perhaps be a rider that scores in 1.1 races for this team. So I don't know if they're going to send them to that though. I think it sucks in my eyes that they spend their money on riders like DeMarc and Jdenek Stibar, the older guard in cycling, but I also don't think it's a nightmare. I mean, if you want to talk about scouting, like, you know, DeMarc probably paid more than Andrea Piccolo. Yeah, that's the issue, <laughs> eh? Like, that's the difference scouting makes. And this is like, by scouting, I mean like you, you go to your television and when the race is on, you, you watch, you turn it on. Maybe not even the full race, just the last hour, just yeah. turn it on. Or you open, you go to a computer, open PCS, and you just log in. Um, that's what I mean by scouting. I don't mean anything special. Um, Perselberger, yeah, a bit bit of a strange signing, but um, I presume it will be stage hunting or ruler domestique. Engelhart from Tyrol, don't really know him, um, doesn't have much. And uh, Vallejagos Berre from EF education nippo dev team i feel like he got a decent result yeah. in lombardi uh, 23 yeah fourth there 10th in a please be a mountain stage yep in the mountain stage of uh lavenir that's i don't have a problem with that signing seventh in baby Giro, i think oh no no sorry uh, uh de mont blanc yeah he's 21 not a problem signing um matthew dinham i think signed for dsm he's like potentially a prospect they could have signed i'm sure there were he was on bridge lane uh conti team he came seventh in the u23 road race he's 22 um he did quite well on the french sort of 2.2 circuit very well actually so he was maybe the biggest australian gc prospect uh available but he's gone to dsm for three years maybe they'll get him when he's 25 and they've uh, prepared him and ruined it um <laughs> no just kidding sort of so yeah like the signings eddie dunbar i would say is on the most money uh we already discussed yeah. that signing at length i think he's not who they think he is or hope he is and the think... yeah do you like what's their target with him is it, or is he just actually am i wrong is he a domestique for simon yates a luxury dom he should be a domestique for Simon Yates. I think he should be a luxury domestique where possible, but I don't think he's consistent enough in that way where he can always be a luxury domestique. And that's also an issue. Eh? He's going to be a mid-tier domestique in most races, but might still have to a luxury domestique role in some races like he did for Carapaz in that Tour de Suisse at Ineos. But the issue that I have with these transfers as well is that when we look at Dunbar, when we look at Harper, these are riders that come from teams that are those are not the Cofidises of this world. A Cofidis, you know, if you sign a rider from Cofidis, that if you teach a guy about aerodynamics and so forth, you can get that guy to step up a tiny bit compared to what he was at Cofidis, for example. If you sign someone from Yumbo and Ineos, you expect them to have been drilled with the aerodynamics and the marginal gains and getting them a tiny bit better at those teams to the point where I feel like it's more likely that they step down a level when you get them from Ineos and Yumbo. No? Um. Harper, I think, will be fine. I think he had a few struggles at Yumbo, some injury. I think something with his eye. I think he was. I think he should be fine. The thing is, Dunbar, they need to improve. So, 
is he going to improve at, what is he, 25 coming from Ineos? To your point, I agree. Uh, I think it's unlikely. Um, they let Groves, would you have re-signed? This is the thing. Groenewegen signed. Big money. Did win a Tour de France stage. Groves out the door. Like, are you surprised Alperson outbid them for Groves? Um, I feel like it's a great signing from the Alperson perspective because they've got, Philipson in that team that is now grown up to be the Tour de France sprinter. And I'd argue that for the Tour de France in this year, which is 2023 that we're talking about, then Philipson will be the main sprinter for that team. Now they signed Groves, which I think is Philipson, but one to one and a half years earlier in his in his career, in the sense that he just started winning that first Vuelta stage, for example, that a Philipson won in 2020. I think in 2023 is the year that Gross can step up by winning stage at the Giro, for example. I feel like he needs to go to the Giro, those stages where it's a sprint but has those hills in the stages. Those are the kind of stages where Gross can have an upper hand towards the pure sprinters like a Merlier and so forth. So that's, I think, possible. Where he can step up there, and I think 2024 is when Groves will ride Tour de France sprints at the team of Alpesin. But then again, Philipson is still at Alpesin in 2024, so this ruins my entire idea behind it. But then when we take about Grune, when you take a look at Grunewagen, what's his contract like, by the way? How long is Grunewagen at the team of Bike Exchange? Until 2024. So it's kind of the same, eh? If he goes to Alpesin. He might have a chance to become equal to Philipson in one and a half years. If he stays here, he might have a chance to become the more versatile option compared to Grunewagen, but might still not get a Tour de France spot. So, I don't know. Is Dylan Grunewagen a good enough rider that he merits being able to sign his mates who are no good because he wants some Dutch friends on the team? I would argue, counter, counterpoint, the thing with Jan Maas is, when we take a look at Jan Maas as a rider, when we take a look at his results, it's not that special, right? Like, but if you just... reverse him in Pogaccia, <laughs> <laughs> you've had to do that bit. Are you doing a bit? <laughs> no, I'm not doing that bit. I'm talking about the fact that apparently all his teammates rate him very highly in kind of like an Arashiro role, where we value, value Arashiro as like the bidon guy at Bahrain being the the early domestique and so forth that you don't see in races, and apparently on Mars is that role. So if that's his role, and he's getting paid the salary to do that role, then I'm fine with it. Because yeah. he seems to be versatile enough to do that role based on his results. But then I then I look at the rider they signed, Elmar Reinders, and he wins like 1.1 one one races. He wins 1.1 one one races and so forth, but I don't see the step up from here. Is it a guy that they sent to one the one race just to make sure they don't have He's to fight for the relegation battle? What was the race he won this year, Reinders? That was La Tour de Bretagne Cycliste 2.2 stage, which oh, yeah. is, and the Circuit des Ardennes, which is for French university National. students. <laughs> okay? Okay. <laughs> like, he's competing against 19-year-old French kids. Yeah, you're right. He won a one the two race. That that was probably the thing I was looking at. Yeah, so he's mates with Gronovegan. Otherwise, I don't know what's going on. I would say that Gronovegan is not good enough to merit signing friends and family. Um, you'd say Dylan 
<laughs> he's in a, you know. Anyway. Actually, I disagree. I think Grunewagen is good enough to be able to do that if the team was good enough to support him and get him to a competitive position in sprints in the first place. I think that's the main issue. I think Grunewagen is one of the top five sprinters in the world, while he does not have the support that gets him competitive. I think there's like, <laughs> there's like one. Honestly, I think there's like two riders in the world who you should actually sign friends and family, and that's Pogacar and Avnapol. I think everyone else, if I was, I'd tell the rider, no, thank you. You, <laughs> like, on, like, seriously, GM LeBron, you know, who, it's only Pogacar and Avnapol. Like, I wouldn't, yeah, I, I don't think you should be signing riders if they're not improving your team. Unless the rider that wants them signed is just ridiculously good and it doesn't matter. Um, yep. Which I don't think Grunewagen is. So they're the signings. Uh, I'll be interested to see how they go. And to be honest, it looks like they're going to stay with the three headed spear of Grunewagen, Matthews, and Yates, which served them pretty well last year. Um, so that's that's that their signings. Where do you think, like, what's next for them? I think. Simon Yates went to the Giro and the Vuelta, coveted out of both, but I think the Tour de France is the Grand Tour in 2023 for Simon Yates because that Grand Tour has limited time trial capabilities necessary. He can win. He has TT. decent TT capabilities, but I still think the Tour de France is the one to go for because he's been prepping for the Giro every single year now. It he hasn't really worked out. The Tour de France is the one to go for and aim for that podium spot against the likes of a Carapaz Ariev, against the likes of whoever. Bora sends, whoever in your sense, I think we're looking at trying to get the third spot at the Tour de France. Or do you think that he can compete with Pogacar and Vingega at the Tour de France? No, but that's like who you know who can. So it's <laughs> can he? If everything goes right for Simon Yates, which is a big if, can he compete for third at the Tour de France with that? You know, I think he'll be taking time on someone like Carapaz on that TT. Yes. Yep. So I think has to do the tour. Matthews will do the tour. Grotewagen will do the tour probably. Jesus. Like, how are they going to fit that all in? Because like, they think in their mind that Simon Yates needs seven mid-domestiques who actually don't make a difference to him winning or losing, yep. but they think they need to construct a peak sky roster. In reality, they don't. He just needs to follow for third and he needs two two domestiques and then someone you have the rulers set up men for the lead out for for the sprinter they do that same job for the gc guy so do they take is this a tour for matthews if there's loads of no. flat sprints it's a it's it's a waste center velta yeah is I, what so. I would think of and also because like if you send them to the front who the fuck is gonna do the Giro and the velta for this team jesus <laughs> david penna <laughs> Kevin Legendary rider. <laughs> Still DeMarc don't believe doing, he, DeMarc is doing Giro, right? Yeah, but he's not going to be moving the needle in the Giro alone. I think <sighs> Lucas Hamilton will probably do a Giro or a Vuelta. Yeah, he'll do Giro. That right. kind of stuff. Um, I think Matthews should do, do the Giro and the Vuelta. True. Oh. And, the, and the Cobble Classics. <laughs> this is very difficult to... Uh, he shouldn't do the it. tour. It's a waste. It's him spending twenty-one race days leading out math, uh, leading out Grunewagen is pointless. Um, yep. He should do something else with because he's too important for the team. So yeah, 
Groner then plus lead out with Yates with some climbing domestiques will be the tour or should be the tour, one would think. And Yates going for third. And then I reckon they'll pick up two stage wins. They seem they are good at picking yeah. up stage wins. Um Giro, yeah, as you said. Sobrero? Yeah, Sobrero will do the Giro. Zana? TTKs. Zana, yeah. DeMarchi, Zana, Sobrero, Colioni, um, Lucas Hamilton, Craddock with the TTKs, or they might do the tour. Um, maybe Matthews. Uh, so, yeah. Herstelberger, who knows? He might be a ruler. could be in either squad. Classics is Matthews, right? has to be. Grunewagen uh, for like Brugge de Panacona. Stibar, Matthews, Perstelberger, Amon Grunel Janssen. Those are the names that pop up into my mind. Luca Mezgaj probably for a few of them. Um, <laughs> do you send Kellen O'Brien to them knowing he was so good at Eduardo Zorvlanderen? Yeah, it has to. It's not so, like there's eight superstars filling out the roster. Exactly. Durbridge will probably be popped into that team as well. So that is definitely possible. And then Jesus David Peña just to... Just to see if we can get not lost. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm not sure what races he'll be sent to. Oh, we've got Dunbar. Will he do Giro? Or... No, he'll be domestic for Yates in the tour. Yeah, has to, I think. Yeah, and also next to that one week race, if they do want to do what I think they will do, they'll probably try and get him to be a GC leader in a one week race to test that out. I have no issue with them testing that out, but I don't necessarily see it getting a podium in a world tour race but he can prove me wrong i'm fine with be, being proven wrong i feel like he's more likely gonna end up being a domestique for yates and that will be the end of it i think for eddie dunbar mostly then again i do expect him in the hill classics for example where uh the marquee and so forth also will be riding and matches will be on on amstel for certain will he be in flesh and lbl uh he's actually quite good in flesh uh, he probably will. That's LBL, the thing. nah. Yeah, maybe he should just do... I mean, he can't win flesh, but he can score some points. So it's like, should you bother? Should he not do Amstel early and then Giro and have time to prepare for the Giro? Because if he does Liège, that makes it tough, as we discussed for Ravenpool. So, yeah, I think we're going to have to be careful with Matthew's race days. Uh, the Tour Down Under's back with Cadell's as well and maybe the Torquay Classic. So... That's good for the team, and yeah. uh, that'll be hype. We'll be going. Um, fingers crossed. If we should be, and if logistics know, the, are being done, <laughs> we should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we should be. We'll be going, and well, I'll be in Australia anyway. I don't know where you'll be, Benji. You'll be in Belgium, but I'll be going back to Australia for Christmas anyway. Um, who do they? I think Harper will go for GC there, or should should Matthews go for GC? He can win GC at TDU this year. I don't know the parkour. I have to take a look at it first. Does Willunga Hill still exist? Because like back I don't in the day, when I, I don't think Willunga's in it. I think they're doing like two reps in Norton Summit. Santa Sudananda is the race I've played the most on Pro Cycling Manager <laughs> in my life because I've started so many career modes on that game, and every single time the first race was the Santa Sudananda or either San Juan. And because of that, I've ridden up Willunga Hill more than I've ridden up my own street, technically. <laughs> so if Willunga Hill is in it, oh. I know every inch. I know every inch of Willinger Hill. But then again, um, nah, I don't know. Who do we expect to be there? Yeah, I'm looking. So they don't do it. They have, yeah, they have... Um, I think Matthews will, should do it. I think Grunewagen uh-huh. will do Saudi tour. Um, 
role in, in those races instead, like the um, Middle Eastern sprint race, and they have to go to Saudi because they got a co-sponsor. Is Saudi thing? Um, so yeah, I think TDU be hype. I know it's not the biggest race for most teams, but for this team, it's important. Um, and I think it'd be good to see them actually sending a good rider to target it um, properly for the GC win. Any other thoughts on Bike Exchange, Benji? Who, I don't know, it's tough, right? Living at the behest of whether a sort of billionaire sponsor is interested in continuing to fund the team. It's it's really tough because it's like, you can plan for everything. You can try and improve the team. You have a long-term project, but at the end of the day, the decision-making is kind of out of your hands regarding budget. That's the problem with cycling. Um, where do you see this team at the end of next year? Do you think they'll be in a position to make a splash for a big rider? Do you see them developing young riders really well? Or are they just treading water with kind of the the well-known stars again? For the, for the near future, Matthews, Yates, Groenewegen? I think they stagnate towards the end of next year. I think their transfers won't be moving the needle. And I think, I think they'll get perhaps similar results. I think they'll... I think their season might be slightly worse than 2022. And the reason that I think so is that Samanier is going to the Tour de France will make it a lot harder for him to do anything. So he might get the same results as in Grand Tours in 2022, which is nothing because of the COVID stuff. And I think a podium at the Tour de France might be just above his capabilities. I think Matthews is not an all-winner. So I hope he can step it up and win more. But I fear that it's going to be a similar year for him. They've lost growth, so they won't necessarily be winning more than what they have been winning. And I don't see a Stibar or Demarkey winning races for the team. So I think it's going to be a worse season in 2023 than 2022. Yep. I think um, that's probably likely because 2022 was a good year. And when you look at sort of Haig, Hindley, O'Connor, Vine, none of them are available at the end of next year. And, you know, you would say, well... Like, this is what I mean by the scouting, right? Like, how did this team not pick up O'Connor when Quebec folded or NTT? Yep. How? Or could they not afford Hindley or did they spend it on Gronewegen? And, you know, Gronewegen probably, did he score more UCI points than Hindley? Possibly. Um, how were they not giving Vine an offer after his flashes in 2021 yep. at Alperson? And it just, something's not quite right with, yeah. Like I'm not saying they have to sign every Australian as charity. I'm talking <laughs> about the good ones yeah. who often get overlooked in World Tour. Um, why didn't that happen? And I don't think that will change because no one in World Tour. <laughs> no, well, actually, that's not true. For the first time, Benji, didn't Ineos fire three DSs or not renew them? They have changed some of their management. Um, yeah. I don't know the exact details, but I I do know that. They um there were a lot of rumors when it comes to like staff change in the in the Walter Peloton this year. It feels like it's like they're moving Ramazzi the chairs around the tiny bit. And then he didn't leave, and yeah. then at Ineos we had Do you reckon that was true? Ramadi leaving. Nah. Nah. Because he was on Instagram like five minutes after being like, this is BS. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think he would say that if it if there was any truth in it. Because then you're kind of shooting in your own foot by doing so but maybe it was true and then 
they worked. Then he's it like back backpedaling. Oh god! Oh god! Uh, I mean, David wasn't supposed to know. <laughs> Has anyone been fired at Israel? I don't like, think I'm so. not praying for people to be fired, but I'm just saying, like in any other sport, if you have that budget and you get relegated, people yeah. would be fired. Like, yeah. and if you don't, then don't. If you don't change the people that got you into a mess or whatever, then things won't change. Because why would yeah. they? Um, Very so, true. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but yeah, Bex. What's what's the hot take? Positive hot takes for next year, Benji. I think Matthews wins Amstel because I think the Ardennes will be a little bit light. We might not see Van Aert or Van der Poel. I think he wins Amstel. Okay. If Quiato can win it, no offense to Kwiatkowski, and that was in your team tactics, but yeah, I think Matthews can win it. I see that as possible. I also see the possibility that I just that he just takes both. The Canadian races, because the Canadian races will now not be a World Championships true prep race. Prep race, so there might be a lighter field there as well. So I think Matthews picks up one or perhaps Quebec. even two of those races. That's possible. Takes a lot of points there, for example. I think Kunlewagen is going to win it to the front stage again. It's not a hot take. Like. The thing with hot takes, I find, I find hot takes really annoying. Let me go on a rant about hot takes. Because <laughs> so you're scared to be crazy like me. Not like, I don't like saying stuff that I don't believe in. And a hot take, if it's too hot, is unrealistic. Like, there's hot takes that can be realistic, but this team just doesn't have it. Like, who the fuck in this team is going to overperform significantly? Like... I don't see it happening. Like, Zana's not going to do it. Simon Yates is not going to overperform necessarily because he's not going to win the Tour suddenly. Yeah, like, Campbell it's stupid. Stewart. It's stupid for us to be like, Filippo Zana's going to win Tour de Suisse. Like, <laughs> here's what David Pena is going to win a Roman this stage. Yeah. <laughs> he's not even going to be sent. He's not even good enough to be sent. Mate, he's already off the team. So, but you're right. Like, yeah. I, I could sit here and say, use your next DBAR podiums to a Flanders, but yeah, that's the thing. Because a lot of the riders, even if they do get to a good level, they're a domestique a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, is, and he doesn't get exposed. Is Alexander Balmer a BRC Tech Piccolo? Who is Alexander Balmer? Swiss rider, <laughs> ninth in Giro del Veneto, ninth in Maryland Classic. Don't don't disrespect Piccolo. I mean, he's twenty two. I don't have a problem with signing a young guy like that. Um, he seems to be a he, he should be a guy. tutor. Yeah, he he seems like not quite to a world tour level. He could have probably done it with a bit of polishing um, elsewhere. Um, but you're right, Benji. It's like I think uh, I think Groenewegen doesn't win a world tour race next year. Really? No. I don't think he wins one. I disagree. I think the lead out's a little bit of an issue. And that's true. When he does get in a straight line in good position, as he saw in Hungary, and you're like, oh, Tour de Hungary. No, no. He was against Jakobsen there. He fucking torched him in stage four. Like, went past him like Jakobsen wasn't pedaling. Uh, but it doesn't always go to plan. And, you know, that was Tour de Hungary was about four or five sp- Four of the five stages were pure sprint stages, and he didn't come top five in the other three sprint stages. And, and we're talking like stage one, 
was a pure uh, purish sprint. He, you know, was behind Moschetti and and Rudy Barbier and, and Nelly Viviani, who's washed. So that's that's the problem <laughs> I see. And unless he goes to the right uh, program, second in Brugge de Pana. He was quite he's quite good this year, wasn't he, Marino Vegan? Um, he's very fast, but yeah, I don't think he wins a world tour race. He's gonna, he's gonna win. Fuck, if he goes to TDU, you're gonna do TDU or UAE tour with like two at each. They don't count, <laughs> they don't count, they do count. <laughs> um, I have to, and but you're right, like, what else? Like, who do I see a big upside from? Because if Eddie Dunbar, like, it just seems so unrealistic that this guy will go from Ineos, as we as you said, to like. A world to a GC guy. It just seems so unrealistic. Yeah. Like, it's for most of the riders like that. And it's also because the transfers that come in are the older riders towards the end of their career, like Stibar and Demarkey, where we don't see that upside and we can't call out a hot take of like, Demarkey's going to podium, I'm still gold race, because he never really had that capability in the last three years in the first place. I think he competed in. And I'm still for top 10, like five years ago, four years ago, but that's not there anymore. So I don't know. I just Chris don't Harper see win a Vuelta stage and KOM. And, and I would say a Tour de France stage. But the problem is, even if he does have the shape to, now maybe I'll be proven wrong because Schultz did get that did get that freedom this year, but Harper will be chained to Yates. And yep. whereas they didn't, correct me if I'm wrong, they didn't have a GC guy at the Tour this year. So on the sort of medium mountain stages. Uh, no, he wasn't. The Giro, you're right. So, so Schultz got freedom. There was no GC guy to chain him to. And now if Yates does it, Harper won't get that freedom. If he goes there, he'll be a domestique. But I think he's yeah. in very, very good shape at the Vuelta. And if he has that, he's more than capable of winning uh, a Vuelta stage next year, which I'd like to see him do. Seems to be, He's very good in hot conditions, uh, Harper, like really okay. hot conditions. So he should... Yeah, do UAE plus. I think he will top five UAE tour um, as well, Chris Harper. And even if they send Dunbar as GC leader, I think Harper will drop him. Okay, so he's kind of going to be like when Vingegaard was riding off the front on Jabel Jais. On, on, um... And... And Carlton Kirby was like, oh, Chris Harper is going on. Now it's actually <laughs> going to be Chris Harper going on yeah, the front. Yes. I think Chris Harper at UAE will do well. Um, okay. And could I believe win, you. Could win a stage two. Um, I think, okay. yeah. But that's, I'm not sure if we classify them as hot takes. Um, probably not lukewarm. But yeah, that's that's what I see for the team. Um, any last thoughts, Benji, before we, before we get out of here on Team Bike Exchange, Jake? I have to say, you're, you're right. It doesn't. It kind of doesn't feel like my Australian team. Um, I know they are. And I, I miss I do. Adam Yates at Bike Exchange. I mean, they just couldn't have matched UAE's money. It's just, yeah, they couldn't. But one week races would have been a lot more fun. Yeah. It's it's tough because if, if one of the big three get injured, you're all of a sudden, it really does stuff your program. But anyway. That was Bex. Um, maybe they'll get. There's not too many people out of contract at the end of 23, um, but we'll see what they do next year. Uh, I'm hopeful they they perform. I'm looking forward to see Rudy Porter and Blake Quick. Blake Quick is Caden Groves 2.0. Um, got some Fuju stage wins, and so <laughs> I think he could be quite good. So good to see him in. Pardon. Pretty quick. He is. Is yep. I can't. If uh, God forbid he wins the stage, Kirby will 
<laughs> He's already prepping it. Um, anyway, <laughs> I love it. All right, that's all from us on the bike exchange hey, preview. Like all you like people from like the oceanic region, like Corbin Strong, Blake Quick. Like, yeah. what do you guys do with your names down there? Lantern Rouge isn't really fitting there, but um, I don't know. It's just yeah, we like to say what we're we're good at, I guess. Um, <laughs> It's better than saying, better than having a surname out of my pants, um, <laughs> like your superstar. So, what is it actually? It's out of the marsh, right? Brokes is like a what? marsh or a bog. What is Brokes? Brooks. I yeah. don't know. I think Brook is pants, like trousers. Yeah. But Brooks, I've never heard of. Out of Brokes. Yeah. Out of the trousers oh, is what I would say. Right, yeah. So don't be questioning me on names when your superstar is called Out of the Trousers and Green Wagon. Green, he's not my. He's not Belgian. Dutch speaking, mate. Green Wagon, Green Way, Green Way. <laughs> is it Green Way? All right, Green yeah. Way. That's actually oh, Green Roads. Green That's roads. not that weird. Um, yeah. All right, and you got you. Oh, you got a reindeer as well. And see, you've started this now. <laughs> no, Netherlands got a reindeer. Stop putting the Dutch riders in Belgium. <laughs> I need to find some Belgian people. Um, <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah. All right. I'll come back to you on that one. That's all for us today. <laughs> Thanks as with as always. And we'll see you with a preview of, we're not sure yet, maybe Bahrain next. Until then, ciao. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.